Good morning. Please make your way back to your seat. All right, bruv, how are you? Good to see you again, mate. Good to see ya. All right, hello. You all right? It's good to see ya. Make your way back to your seats. <clears throat> good morning. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. As you're turning there, uh, let me just introduce myself. My name is Obed, and I'm one of the leaders here <clears throat> I'm at King's Cross Church. And as a church, we, are, we want to be and we pursue being a church family on mission with Jesus. That is what we are here for, and that is why we exist as a church. As of, what, six weeks ago, we started a study in the book of Hebrews, and we've been having a will of a time. We really have. Will of the time. You guys understand that term, yeah, phrase? No? Like, a great time. Will. Like, will of a time. Sorry. I said, how does it I, I sound echoey, my mic, or is it just me? <clears throat> it is just me. Wow. All right. Gosh, I've got to get used to this. All right, so turn to Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3, and we are going to continue our study in the book of Hebrews, and this week we are going to be looking at um, Jesus being more superior than um, some of the best leaders that you know. And so if you are there, we are going to, um, Hebrews chapter 3, we are going to be reading the first six verses, six verses. And so what we like to do is honor God's word. And one of the ways we do that is to stand while we're reading God's word. So if you could stand for the reading of God's word, that would be great. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 1 through 6 reads, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. And pray with me. Heavenly Father, as a church, we desire to know you. And the knowledge we want of you, we don't want it to be based on our past experiences or um, our education or anything like that. We want you to speak to us through your Holy Spirit. We want a supernatural experience this morning. And so, God, I pray that as we wait, as we listen, as we grapple with the content in this section of Hebrews, I pray 
that we would experience just that, that you would speak supernaturally, that you would give us ears to hear. But most importantly, God, you will challenge us. You will call us to do something with what we've heard. And whatever it is, God, I pray that you would give us the power. You would empower us by your spirit to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. <clears throat> have a seat. Um, you, guys, you probably have had this experience, and I have on multiple occasions, but it's that experience where you are um, having some sort of experience. Don't know what it is. You're eating a burrito or something. You could be, or a taco, or um, a pokeball, or you are swimming in the ocean, or you are traveling and you find yourself within this magnificent natural beauty of creation and you say to yourself, this experience is so mind-blowing, so awesome, I cannot imagine having another experience that is as good. I've had those experiences when I first moved to America. I loved Chipotle. <laughs> I thought Chipotle was the best thing since sliced bread. It was awesome. I would go there a lot, and I just enjoyed Chipotle. But I no longer go to Chipotle. I have moved on <laughs> to other authentic Mexican restaurants. You've had similar experience where you have thought something was good and amazing and nothing else could compare, but then you've had an experience that caused you to realize that, man, like, even though that thing was good, this is even better. The recipients of this letter, Hebrews, which is not a letter, it's an essay. Some people say it's a sermon. The recipients had experienced something similar. Hebrews was written to first century Jews who had converted to Christianity. They were first century Jews who loved and revered Moses and the law. But after encountering Jesus, their lives changed. Jesus was no longer just a prophet or a rabbi, but Jesus was the Christ. Jesus had become to them the son of the living God. They still appreciated Moses, absolutely they did, but after seeing and savoring and encountering Jesus, they grew to value him more. However, becoming followers of Jesus was accompanied by severe persecution. And so discouraged by these hardships, um, the Jewish Christians who this letter is being written to were tempted to give up on Jesus and return to their former lives as Jews who followed the law of Moses. 
And so in this section um, of Hebrews, the writer, what he does is he compares Moses, who was a big deal in their eyes. He compares Moses to Jesus to help them see how and why Jesus is infinitely superior. As a result, what will happen is we too will have to come to terms with the fact that Jesus is superior to any leader that we love, adore, and revere. In previous chapters in Hebrews, the authors helped us see how Jesus is better than angels and so many things. This morning, what he'll do is he'll help us see that Jesus is better than any faithful, godly leader that you admire. So if you're making notes, first of first point is we should honor faithful leaders. We should honor faithful leaders. Um, last time in Hebrews, we looked at the fact that Jesus was a real human being, just like you and I, and we came to the conclusion that Jesus' humanity matters as much as his divinity because it's how he could save us from our sin, deliver us from the fear of death, relate to us as brothers and sisters, and understand everything we're going through. Hebrews was written, like I've said, to first century Jews who had converted to Christianity. And so in light of what Jesus has achieved through his humanity, what the writer of Hebrews wants to do next is exhort his audience to exhort us to consider Jesus. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 reads, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. As we read verse 9, verse 1, sorry, um, you would have noticed something. You would notice that before he calls them to consider Jesus, what he does is he reminds them of who they are. All right, look back at the verse. He identifies them as what? Holy brothers. I'm using the ESV translation of the Bible. However, if you're using the NIV or a similar translation, you'll notice that it says holy brothers and sisters. Not just holy brothers, but holy brothers and sisters. And I think this is more of an accurate translation because the author of Hebrews is not just addressing men, but he is addressing a church community made up of men and women of all ages. I don't have time for this, but if I did, I would love to dive into, you know, why... Um, uh, you know, it says holy brothers and not holy brothers and sisters and the masculine and all of that in scripture. But for now, we need to move on. And so he refers to them as holy, holy, holy brothers and sisters. And that applies to us because if you are here and you are a Christian, you are holy. This doesn't mean you're perfect, or you don't struggle with sin. 
But what it does mean for you to be considered holy is that Jesus has made you his own. You have been gifted with God's spirit and you have been set apart for God's purposes. So as a Christian, you are holy. And so this community of Jewish believers who are holy and share in the heavenly calling are encouraged to do what? To do what? To consider Jesus. Um, the Greek word for consider is katanil. Katanil, in this context, means to observe carefully or pay attention to something. It's not a fleeting thought about something, rather it's a deep consideration of it. And so the author of Hebrews is urging his readers um, to, um, to a serious focus on the person and work of Jesus Christ. A serious, focused, intentional consideration of Jesus Christ. And as modern day Christians, we too are being urged to do the same thing. We're being urged to not just give Jesus a fleeting glance, but we're being urged to intentionally fix our eyes on him in the same way a runner is focused on the finish line or a predator is to its prey. We are being urged. This is not a recommendation. This is an exhortation for us to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. And as we go through the book of Hebrews, this is going to come up over and over and over again. We are going to be exhorted and urged to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so the question is, how do we do this? How do we consider Jesus? Um, Raymond Brown, who's a pastor in London, gives us some practical ways we can do this. And so I'll read his, um, what he suggests. He says, if we are to progress to maturity in the Christian life, sometime in each day must be devoted to a careful consideration of the person, teaching, and work of Christ. In other words, believers must meditate or fix their thoughts on Jesus. Meditation is a lost art. Time for quiet reflection is at a premium. In the contemporary world, life is so busy, hurried and rushed, yet to neglect meditation is to run the risk of having a shallow understanding of spiritual truth. Does that make sense? How do we consider Jesus? How do we fix our eyes on him? By carving out quality time each day, unhurried, to read about Jesus and to commune with Jesus in prayer. That's what Christians are supposed to do. Oh, I don't have time in my day. I'm too busy. No, you're not. You're really not. 
And so I would exhort all of us as a church, let's practice meditating and taking our time and carving out quality time in order to be with Jesus. It will change us. And so what will happen if we consider Jesus? What will happen if we fix our hearts and minds on Jesus? What we'll do is, we'll, what will happen is we'll eventually see who Jesus truly is. Um, Jesus is so many things, but in this verse, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we consider him, we'll eventually see that he's the apostle and high priest of our faith. That's what verse 1, to, verse one again. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in her heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Um, the Greek word translated apostle means one who is sent. Uh, most of the time when we hear the word apostle, we naturally think of one of Jesus' original disciples who were sent by Jesus to be on mission. Uh, however, what's happening is that in this verse, Jesus is identified as the apostle of our confession. As the apostle of our confession. Fun fact. This is the only place in the New Testament where the term apostle is applied to Jesus. And so what does it mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be the apostle of our confession, of our faith, of our beliefs? This is what it means. Jesus is the very first apostle. He was an apostle before his disciples, making him God's ultimate messenger who was sent to show us who God is like. And so during his time on earth, Jesus affirmed his apostleship on multiple occasions. John 20, 21. We don't have time to go there, but note it down and read it. It's where Jesus affirms that he is an apostle. Jesus is not the only apostle of apostles. He's also the high priest. In Bible times, high priests represented God's people before God by making sacrifices. They were mediators between God and his people. And so, while an apostle spoke to the people for God, a high priest spoke to God on behalf of the people. And so here, we're being reminded that Jesus is the ultimate high priest who's able to speak to people for God and intercede to God for people. All that makes sense? You guys tracking? This is heavyweight stuff. It's good. Charles Swindoll says this, Christ alone is the mediator. He's the high priest who can understand, who can understand, who can stand on our behalf between earth and heaven because he's the divine apostle sent from on high to lead us heavenward. Look at verse 2. Who, that is Jesus, he was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. In other words, Jesus, great apostle, high priest of Christian faith, was faithful to God his Father. Jesus completely and perfectly fulfilled everything that God the Father had asked of him. But Jesus isn't the only one. Isn't the only one who showed this level or this kind of faithfulness to God. Someone else was as faithful as God's messenger, mediator. 
And he goes by the name of Moses. Look at verse 2 again. Who was faithful to him who appointed him, talking about Jesus, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Moses. Yeah, that guy. Doesn't even have a last name. (laughs) And everyone knows who he is. Moses was similar to Jesus in a lot of ways. Like Jesus, he was sent by God as his representative. Like Jesus, he too stood between God and the nation of Israel as their mediator. For good reasons, no biblical character is as revered as Moses. Moses was chosen by God to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Through Moses, God performed one of the most extraordinary miracles recorded in human history when he parted the Red Sea to free the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. Moses was just a man. But we are told that he spoke to God face to face. That's a big deal. Have you ever spoke to God face to face? Not many people can claim that. But Moses spoke to God face to face. On Mount Sinai, Moses received the law from God and shared it with the people. This means this. That Moses is the author um, behind the Torah. The Torah is the the first five books of the Bible. And so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, which are foundational to our Christian faith, were all written by Moses. It's impossible to think about the Old Testament without considering Moses. Albert Moeller, who's an author, scholar, rightly says that the Old Testament is essentially the legacy of Moses' ministry to the people of Israel. There's this passage in Deuteronomy 34. It's going to come up, and it kind of gives you an overview of what Moses has achieved, his resume in a way, okay? It reads, And there was not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Since ancient times, people have looked to Moses for wisdom and inspiration. He's a big deal. One author said Moses' legacy transcends party lines. And they go on to say U.S. presidents from Ronald Reagan to Barack Obama have called back to his achievements and used his life story as motivation for others. Everybody knows who Moses is. 
It's a big deal. He's an incredible man. He has an impressive resume. No person looms larger in Jewish culture than Moses. Yes, he had issues. He had flaws. But at the end of the day, Moses was a faithful leader whom God used to do extraordinary things. But as we consider Moses being an elite leader, spiritual leader, what we need to think about is that he's not only the spiritual leader, the only spiritual leader who is revered by a large number of people. Within Christianity, there are many others who have served God faithfully and who have been used by God in amazing ways. Some are still alive, while others have passed away. The Old Testament prophets, the Apostle Paul, Charles Spurgeon, Martin Luther, Elizabeth Elliot, Billy Graham, C.S. Lewis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Amy Carmichael, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., John MacArthur, Tim Keller, John Piper. When we think of some of the most faithful and influential Christian leaders of all time, these are some of the names that come to mind. They are not perfect. But they have been used by God. They have served God faithfully. And they have been used by God to do extraordinary things. They may not have written the first five books of the Old Testament. But they have produced works that have advanced the faith of Christians. They were not used by God to free his people from slavery in Egypt but they have been used by God to free countless others from addictive behaviors. God has not spoken to them through a burning bush or on Mount Sinai, but God has spoken through them as they have faithfully preached and taught God's word. They have not lifted a staff that has parted the Red Sea, but they have witnessed God's miraculous works. Throughout the decades, many men and women have served God with the same, similar devotion as Moses. And the Bible talks about the need for us to honor them and to honor our faithful, godly leaders. And so that's the first point. Second, so we've seen, we've been encouraged to honor faithful leaders. Um, number two, this is what we're going to look at. Jesus is greater than every faithful leader, than faithful leaders. Look at verse three and four. It says, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. All right? And so even though Moses is viewed as a faithful, great leader, what does it say? It says, Jesus, in verse 3, Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than him. In other words, Jesus is superior to one of Christianity's most faithful and revered leaders. So the question is why? Why is Jesus superior to Moses? First, 
Because he's a builder of God's house. Look at verse 3 again. It says, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. The word house in this verse is oikos in Greece, in Greek. Ancient Greek, whenever you used oikos in a sentence, you were not referring to brick and mortar, like a structured house, okay? But you were referring to a family or a household. And so, in this context, oikos refers to the household of God, that is the people of God, whether the people of Israel in the Old Testament or the church in the New Testament. In the ancient world, if you were an architect, right, you were viewed as greater than what, you know, than what you have built. And so what we discover in verse 3 is that in the same way the person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself, Jesus deserves more glory than Moses because he is the builder of the household of God. He is the founder and builder of the people of Israel and the church. Second, Jesus is superior to Moses because he's the fulfillment of Moses' testimony. Um, look at verse 5. It says, Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. What does it tell us? Moses was faithful in all God's house as what? As a servant. And his work and purpose was to do what? I can't hear you. To testify. What? <laughs> In other words, Moses' ministry was a foreshadowing of Jesus' ministry. Everything Moses said and did was for the purpose of ultimately pointing to Jesus. Lastly, Jesus is superior to Moses because he's the ruler of God's house as the son. Look at the first part of verse 6. It says, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Jesus is the son of God, the firstborn and the head of all things. Jesus and Moses are similar in a lot of ways, but Jesus is superior to Moses. Why? Because he, des because he deserves more glory. Because he's the builder of God's household, the people of God. And Moses was a servant of God's people, but Jesus was the son over God's house. Cynthia Hopkins says this, Moses was seen as the pinnacle of faithfulness in the Old Testament. He heard from God, served God well, and led others to do the same. But the point of Moses' faithfulness was to point to the superior faithfulness of Jesus. And so, if Moses is worthy of glory as a servant, how much more worthy is Jesus, the Son of God and the overseer of God's people? This part of Hebrews was written to show us that Jesus isn't only superior to the great Moses, 
but he's greater and deserves more honor than any other spiritual leader, alive or dead. And so the question I have for every single one of you is, who do you admire? Who would you consider as your heroes of the faith? What great man or woman do you look up to? Whether alive or dead, who is it? If you're a Christian, what great man or woman of faith do you admire? We are, if you look at scripture, we are instructed to honor faithful and godly leaders. We are encouraged in Scripture to imitate their faith. We are instructed to obey them um, and because they are faithful. But what we are not instructed to do is to idolize them. As flawed human beings, there are some pitfalls we need to be aware of when considering Leaders that we love and respect. We are prone to idolizing heroes of the faith. Idolatry can be defined as anything that takes the place of God in providing the security, significance, satisfaction, or identity that can only be provided by Jesus Christ. That means we can idolize good things like work, relationships, and even godly, faithful leaders. And so the question we need to think about now is, how do you know if you are idolizing a leader? So think of the leader you admire, okay? Someone you admire, someone that you're like, I want to be just like that person when I'm older, or older, older. Think of that person. How do you know if you're idolizing them? In other words, how do you know if you have replaced Jesus with someone else? This is how. This is a few suggestions. When you find yourself idolizing a leader, what happens is you spend more of your time reading and listening to their content more than you read and listen to the Bible. You are more impressed with their communication skills than you are with the Jesus they proclaim. You find yourself quoting them more than you quote scripture. You value their word more than God's word. Next one, you know you're idolizing a leader when you are easily offended or angered by anyone who says anything bad about them. Online, someone says anything negative, you're on. You know you're idolizing a leader when you get more excited about sharing their content with others than sharing the gospel. You're idolizing a leader. They've taken the place of Jesus in your life when their books and podcasts or sermons keep you engaged while the Bible makes you fall asleep. 
And so what man or woman of faith do you admire the most? Have you placed them on a pedestal? Are you idolizing them? Jesus Christ is superior to all things, all people, in his person and work. Nothing and no one is worth comparing to him. There is no better leader than Jesus Christ himself. Line them all up, list all of their achievements, share all of their wisdom, then compare them all to Jesus, and you will come to find that they are all insufficient and inferior to him. Jesus is better and greater than the great Moses and every other faithful leader in human history. Comparing them to Jesus is like comparing the brightness of a torch to the brightness of the sun. Why? Why is Jesus superior to the leaders we love and admire? Faithful, godly leaders can serve us, but they can never save us from our sins. They can point us to God, but they can never unite us with him. They can encourage us to seek God in prayer, but they can never give us access to his throne of grace. These are some of the reasons why we're to consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. This is the re- some of the reasons why Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses and the leader you admire the most. And so if Jesus deserves the utmost glory, may you this morning, May you, may we as a church community see, pursue, run hard after knowing and treasuring Jesus Christ. Don't waste time on trivial pursuits. Let's commit together as a church family to pursue Jesus with all of our hearts, all of our minds, and encourage each other to do the same. King's Cross Church, we have an opportunity in this generation, in this city, to make an impact. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we exalt Jesus in all of our minds and hearts. Be grateful for faithful, godly leaders. But as you do, never forget that Jesus is infinitely superior to them. George Guthrie says this, Great religious heroes like Moses serve as spiritual telescopes 
tools used by God to magnify someone greater than themselves. For it is to Jesus, the one who stands at the heart of the faith, that we must look if we are to endure in our Christian commitment. And so this morning, I've done my best to give you the lenses to see who Jesus is. And Jesus is truly better than anyone or anything in this world. And so you have a choice. What are you going to do with this? I don't care how long you've been a Christian for. Maybe we're going to come sing in a bit, and we're going to provide prayer and everything. But this morning, don't just stand and sing the words. Observe and think through what you're singing. Make the most of this time. Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to him and say, Jesus, help me know you more. And then throughout the week, commit to considering Jesus by dedicating huge chunks of your day to just reflecting on Scripture. Go back to writing Scripture and cards and memorizing, and taking them with you. Let's not waste our lives. Let's not waste our time. There is so much of God to know and experience. And I dare you to not settle on the shores of your Christianity, but I dare you to dive deep into the ocean of God's grace and mercy. Do it. You'll not regret it. Let's pray. God, thank you. Continue to speak to us. Continue to inspire us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.